What's going on, everyone? My name is Oliver Niehaus, and today we will be going over my predictions for the 2020 election, which is only two days away. So stick around. Roll the intro. Welcome to Bad Table Talk. I'm your host, Oliver Niehaus, and this is where we break down all of the current news and talk about everything you aren't supposed to talk about at the dinner table. That being politics, religion, money, and more. My goal with this series is to provide easy-to-listen, informative segments addressing the most pressing issues we face, and to start much-needed conversations as a result. As always, thanks go out to my friend Oscar Gregg for providing the music you hear, and you should all check out his single Acrobats, which will be linked in the podcast notes below. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And feel free to also share your thoughts with me via email, which is linked below as well. So sit back and relax while I talk about how utterly f***ed we are as a country. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Sort of. All joking aside, regardless of where you stand politically, I hope everyone is motivated by what they hear to research more about these issues and feels ready to contribute to making our nation a better place for everyone. Thank you and please enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to Bad Table Talk. I am your host Oliver Niehaus and we are going to be going over, as I mentioned, my predictions on the election results that come up in about two days. So if you're currently listening via podcast form, obviously totally valid and great form to listen to. But if you want to head over to my YouTube, you can obviously um, see some of the polling that we're going to take a look at on screen. Obviously, you're at no disadvantage, although you do get to miss out on my amazing attire that I'm currently wearing. If you are not noticing, um, this is, you know, I definitely got up much earlier to make sure that I could um, get on all of these clothing. I'm totally kidding. If you can't tell, the shirt I'm wearing, and if you're on uh, listening on the podcast, this is actually a shirt that looks like <clears throat> overalls and a tie, but it's just a shirt. So I like these, whatever, beside the point. But moving on, um, if you guys want to head over to my YouTube, that is, if you are listening via podcast, is in the podcast uh, description notes, as well as in my Instagram bio or Twitter bio, if you take a look there, the link there, you guys can take a look at that. Otherwise, let's get going. Um, I don't need to be the first one to tell you that this is not a normal election. This is definitely an unprecedented election. Uh, this is the first election in which we have one candidate that has refused to commit to the outcome of this election, to the election results, something we've never seen really before. Uh, you know, definitely unprecedented in many ways. Uh, and obviously, I don't need to clarify, but that is indeed Donald Trump. And he's called for his supporters to go and be poll watchers, basically go and watch. Uh, this is a little bit of an odd thing. I mean, it's not odd. He's doing it on purpose to try to intimidate people from voting. This is voter intimidation. It is illegal. Um, he's doing it otherwise because when has Donald Trump, uh, you know, cared about the law or cared about, you know, decency or honesty or, you know, the continued survival of the human race. But um, regardless, uh, <clears throat> yeah, definitely unconstitutional. Uh, I just want to make it very clear. Poll watchers aren't going to do anything. People with guns showing up. It's not like they're going to stop voter fraud. That was never the intention. The goal was to intimidate people from voting. And a lot of these communities where um, these are most likely to be happen happening are communities that are majority, minority communities, um, people of color, um, low income, people who um, are more likely to be disenfranchised already from the current voting structure and the voting system that we have uh, will be disenfranchised by a system like this. So regardless, um, this is really important because this election is basically to save the shambles of our democracy that we have left. So it is absolutely crucial if you are of age and are able to get out and vote. Please get out and vote if you are able to. If you have not voted already, don't mail in your ballot because it will most likely not get there by election day and there's even an even higher likelihood that it will be lost or um, not counted properly. So um, vote in person if you can. Obviously, you know, 
be sure to stay safe, uh, wear a mask, do everything you can there, but please get out and vote. Definitely very important. Drop off your ballot at the v- of polling location and everything like that. Make sure it's counted. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> and as I said, this is an unprecedented election, but fortunately, it seems as if people know that it is an unprecedented election. How do we know that people know that it's an unprecedented election? Well, the number of ballots cast has surpassed two thirds totally. In, in this country has surpassed two thirds of all ballots cast in 2016. We have surpassed before election day, two thirds of the total ballots cast in 2016. That is, that is, that is crazy. If we look at the state of Texas, in particular, over 9.5 million votes have already been cast and were cast at the close of early voting. That's 57% of registered voters and over, and over 700,000 more votes than were cast in all of 2016 as, as total. It is people know that this is a crucial election. People are turning out in record numbers because they know the stakes that we are facing in this election and why it is so crucial for them and everyone to get out and vote. So with the election just, you know, a mere couple days away, what what are my predictions? What do I think is going to happen? Well, instead of me telling you this as if I'm, you know, somehow just making this up out of the blue, uh, let's look at where I'm looking. I'm looking at the polls. I'm looking to see, you know, where people are going. And uh, I'm sure people are going to have issues with the polls in particular. But just in general, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the latest polls from um, 538. If you're not aware, let's bring this down, is um, the major polling service. And this is what they have so far. Uh, They simulate the election 40,000 times to see you win. And the the results are 90-10. 90 and 100 times Biden wins this election, Trump is 10 and 100. And I know, I know your first reaction right now. And the first reaction right now is the polls. Well, the polls were wrong in 2016. Look at this. I mean, Oliver, look, if we go to 2016, if we go up, look, Hillary was given basically a 70-30 chance. Well, you're correct. The polls weren't actually wrong. They predicted there was a decently high chance that Hillary were to um, lose the electoral college. Um, Hillary won the popular vote by almost 5 million, I think 5 million votes. So the polls weren't wrong. They were absolutely correct. And everything that was slated to happen ended up happening. So to suggest that, you know, the polls were wrong is actually not true. Obviously, the polls were wrong and whoever ended up winning. But there's also another interesting thing to consider. One, look at where these averages are. If we take a look right here, where where most dots are is the average. Right here, if we're looking, is what the average is. Around 200, 200 plus more votes than Biden were to need to win. If we take a look here, what is it? 377. 161. Mind you, you need 270 to win. So his, he's averaging here. Like he can give up all of this space and still win the election. It's, it is, it is, I, 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 I never want to say this is a for sure win because nothing is for sure. And there can always be outliers, but it is overwhelmingly likely that Biden will sweep this election. Let's take a look. Every outcome in our simulation, take a look at this, take a look at these, this graph. Most likely, and these peaks are the highest, the rolling average here, look, in order for Trump to get 270, this is the average right here. And for Biden, it's right here. He's averaging around 400 electoral votes, more than 130 more than he needs to win, as makes sense up here. If we take a look in the middle, what is it? 387, 402, stuff like here. This is what this is showing. The higher bars show outcomes that are more likely to occur. So more, more, more likely than not, Biden will take this by over a hundred electoral votes, which is, which, which looks really great. I mean, if we're looking in specifically at states, I mean, states are definitely very important. And this is something that I think is really, really important and interesting is, can I zoom out? I don't know if I can zoom out, but if we take a look here, 
Look, look at some of these states. States like Georgia, even Texas. Look at Texas. Basically, it's forecasted Trump is winning by 50.4% to Biden's 48.6. Trump isn't even leading by a whole 2% in Texas. Texas has the ability and it's possible for those 38 electoral votes to go to Joe Biden. Is it likely? I still am hedging my bets here. I, I don't think that would be the case, but I don't think that it is it is like out of the question that that would happen so other than something like, you know, West Virginia, which obviously is going to Trump and on the other side, like Massachusetts, like obviously certain states are, are for sure grabs. But look at Georgia. Georgia is you'd think would be a deep south state. And you're correct. I mean, Biden is leading in Georgia by 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 what is it? One percent margin. He's leading there. I mean, that, that, that doesn't say a whole lot. It's still a toss up. But the last time. That, a, that that Georgia went blue. If we take a look here, last time Georgia went blue was in 1992. Usually um, many scholars and many um, people who analyze elections like to throw this out. The reason they do is because Ross Perot, who is a billionaire, uh, you say billionaire, a, a business magnate, uh, basically threw billions of dollars, at least millions of dollars, many millions of dollars at his campaign and stole over 300,000 votes away from George H.W. Uh, Bush, which if, if you see, even if he would have been gotten like 10,000 of those or something like that, he would have beaten uh, Bill Clinton or he would have taken the state of Georgia. So usually we like to throw that out because a third party candidate was very influential there. But the last time before when that happened was Jimmy Carter. And if you know the significance of this one, why this is significant is one, Jimmy Carter was a native Georgian. So uh, presidential candidates tend to win states in which they um, are from just, you know, it makes sense. But also the People tend to throw this out because this was also coming out of the Nixon administration. And if you're not aware, the Nixon administration obviously tainted the Republican Party very heavily because of the whole Watergate scandal and Nixon resigning and all of that. So um, definitely that was kind of a taint there. But, you know, it's clear Georgia going blue would be something that hasn't happened since 1992. And if we throw out 1992, hasn't happened since Jimmy Carter ran in 1980, which he was a native. So that would be huge. That would be absolutely, um, you know, something we've not seen in a long time. So if we head back to the uh, prediction election results, um, <clears throat> yeah, some of these states, Pennsylvania's within, you know, Biden's leading in f- by five points. So if we take a look at that, Biden is leading by like five points in Pennsylvania, which is very, very, you know, I mean, it's not a secure win, but it's much more, you know, secure. States like Michigan and Wisconsin, Biden is leading by nine, 10 points in these states, eight, nine points. I mean, this this election is chalking up to be something that looks like a blowout win for Biden, which, you know, is is what needs to happen. There needs to be a resounding win for Joe Biden. So Trump can't argue fraud. I mean, if we look at the 2016 election, when 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 when, it, when we're taking a look at Hillary Clinton, she won the popular vote by over five million votes. And obviously she lost the Electoral College. But Donald Trump said the only reason that she won or she she got she won the popular vote was because millions of illegal immigrants ca- uh, casted votes illegally. No, there's no evidence of that whatsoever at all. And that was like five million votes. So there needs to be such a resounding win to Biden that Trump can't argue fraud. Trump can't pull his whole mail-in balloting that he's been pulling since the start of the, his campaign and his, his entire presidency, trying to delegitimize the process because he knows because he, he knows he can't win fair and square. I mean, it's it's that simple. And if you don't need any, and if you need any more reason to vote for Biden, 
Trump has literally already, and insider people within his administration have already discussed the fact that he is he is likely in his second term to completely shift up who's in his cabinet and remove people who were not loyal to him, who contradicted or he contradicted their advice when it comes to like um, public health regarding the coronavirus, people who did not agree with him all the time. If you're not aware, your cabinet is supposed to be people who advise you, not just like toot your own horn all the time and tell you how great you are. Obviously, that's not who Trump is because Trump is just someone who wants people who do that. He, he, he sees the presidency as a way to, you know, bolster his own ego and not leave the American people. So there's that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is looking good. Obviously, we, no one ever wants you should never get comfortable. Get out and vote. Vote as if your life is on the line, because even if yours isn't, because mine particularly <clears throat> as a well-off white male, it's not as much. But I vote as if, you know, I have a son who is LGBT and could possibly lose the right to marry under the Supreme Court. I vote as if I were to, were to be an immigrant and possibly could be being held in these um, literal concentration camps for weeks on end. I vote as if I'm a woman possibly losing her reproductive rights. That's how I vote. I vote with empathy. And I hope every one of you votes with empathy too, because it is very important that we all vote for each other. Because if, if, if we wait until something affects us for us to care about it, for us to vote, for us to vocalize out against it, well, then we'll have a similar situation that, you know, happened with a Nazi Germany. I mean, if you're aware of that quote, I forget um, the name of the person, but it was like, you know, first they came for the socialists, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a so socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, but I didn't say anything because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, but I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me and then there was no one, no one left to speak. So speak out, speak out just because it is not directly affecting you personally does not mean you do not have a stake in your fellow man. Vote. Please vote. All right, let's take a look at some states. I mean, <clears throat> as I talked about, and another reason that this election is so different is because if we take a look, and this is typical with this election, with the 2016 election, this is 2016. If we take a look, obviously the, the gap narrowed when the election got closer. I mean, it makes sense. As the election got closer, the gap also closed right here. You see this margin, it also spread out a little bit, but for majority, it yeah, it closed. But take a look at 2020. Let's take a look at this. Since September 2nd, the gap has only been widening. It was about the same 70-30 on September 3rd, but it's only been widening. It's only been getting further apart. This race has not been tightening. It's almost like Trump has just kept shooting himself in the foot with stupid things that he's been doing ever since. I mean, I don't know. I would say that Trump had a decent chance at re-election before, before the coronavirus. I really do. The economy was doing well whether that's of his own doing or, you know, not trashing the economy that Obama gave him, you know, but yeah, he had a chance of reelection. Everything was in the bag. He had all the resources given to him walking into 2020 to win this election. And he, you know, he trashed it, whether it comes to, you know, COVID, obviously his response to the uh, protests, uh, racial inequality, racial justice, stuff like that. He really just threw that down the drain. So there's that. So yeah, I mean, if we take a look at individual states here, I mean, we're talking about Georgia here, like Georgia, as we talked about, Biden is favored to win. And this would be, this would be absolutely crazy. If we talk about Georgia in general, obviously there's some other elections that we want to take a look at, but if we take a look at some other uh, states in particular, where'd it go? But yeah, if we take a look at some other states, we take a look at um, Texas, obviously, 
Trump is favored in Texas, but not by a large margin. I mean, this is a toss up. This in particular, 64-36 is a toss up. We really don't know who will win that election. It is really a toss up to see who would win that. But other than that, yeah. I mean, if we take a look, we, we talked about how um how the forecast has changed within, within Texas. Trump is consistently led, but that's not very surprising. Uh, I mean, why don't we take a look? If this doesn't show back up, we can take a look at election um, races. I mean, unless we want to take a look, a lot of these states, Ohio, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Iowa, North Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, these are all toss-up states. These are all swing states now that that Biden has a chance of grabbing. I mean, let's take a look at Florida. Biden has a 64-36 chance of winning with reversal of Texas. Like, this is not unlikely. It's not uncommon that Biden will take Florida. So there you go. What needs to happen for Biden to win is all the old people in Naples need to get out and vote. <laughs> I'm kidding. But Naples is definitely, uh, Naples is definitely, uh, more people who are older. My dad told me I can never go to Naples during COVID because if anyone in Naples get COVID, they'll all die, which he's not really wrong because almost everyone in Naples is much older. But yeah, let's take a look at Senate because, you know, president isn't just it. The Democrats have a good chance of taking the Senate. Democrats are favored to take the Senate. Let's take a look at this. They have an 80% chance of, you know, holding between 48 and 55 seats. Obviously, that's going to be the case. But I mean, look, their highest chance is holding 51, 52, 53 seats. They could take this election. They could take the Senate. I mean, they're they're obviously going to hold on to the House. I mean, we don't even have to look at the House. I mean, that's like the, 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 the Republicans have like a, I think, what, less than 100 or like two and 100 chance of taking the House. Like, that's not going to happen. But Senate? Democrats have the ability to take the House, the Senate, and the presidency, which after, you know, the four years of destruction we've seen, or not even the four years, I mean, obviously that, but also literally just these past eight months due to COVID is something that is dire, dire need of occurring. Let's take a look at some Senate races that are crucial in general. Um, if you're not aware, and I would really suggest you look this up, there, there are two races going on in Georgia right now, but one of them that is more significant is David Perdue and uh, John Ossoff. If you're not aware... Uh, you got you. You really should take a look at some of the clips coming from that debate um, between David Perdue and John Ossoff. He, John Ossoff, just goes after David Perdue for basically doing insider trading during this uh, pandemic, as many people have done already, and and during this pandemic has been trying to um, increase his own wealth while. Um, basically not giving the information about how deadly this pandemic was. Similar to Trump, similar to Kelly uh, Kelly Loeffler, who's also running in the other district in Georgia. Georgia, both the seats are up for election. Fortunately, a Democrat has the ability to get that seat. Georgia could have two blue senators. I mean, it's unlikely due to the fact that um, if we look at David Perdue and John Ossoff, David Perdue still has 58 and 100. But what, 58, 42? That's a toss-up. That is absolutely a toss-up in every single way. That would be incredible if Georgia had two blue senators absolutely incredible. Take a look at some other states. Uh, no, notable races, obviously, uh, Michigan will most likely stay there. Um, Iowa, Joni Ernst, you know, 50-50 chance if you take a look there. That election is anyone's to take. Mark Kelly and Martha McSally. Mark Kelly is most likely going to oust her. There's a seat there we're going to probably take in Arizona. What else? I mean, this is, this is, this is looking good. So don't get comfortable. Never get comfortable. Because if, if, you, if you get too comfortable and you don't part, actively participate in the democratic process, you know, stuff like this happens, stuff like 
this happens, where Donald Trump wins the election despite not being favored. So get out and vote. Make sure your vote counts um, in general. What else is there? I think this was good to go over some stuff uh, just in general. Things look good. That's all I have to say is that things do look good. Looks like the Democrats will most likely sweep all three. All three. The House, I mean, maintain control of the House, take the Senate, and the presidency. So there's some meaningful change that can be done. Obviously, things like expanding the court need to happen to, you know, stop, you know, how the Republicans have put Amy Coney Barrett on the bench with less than a week or around a week, eight days until the election. That's definitely something. But yeah. So what's going to happen on election night? I talked about that a little bit. Um, just in general, uh, Trump is going to declare victory. I, I guarantee it. No matter what, no matter what, on November 3rd, he will declare himself to be victorious. It's going to happen. Don't believe it. Obviously, take everything that he says with skepticism, but especially that, especially that. Um, and the reason that I think that he'll be able to do this more effectively, it's actually likely that this won't even happen anymore. I thought it was going to be a certainty, but the fact of the matter is more people, more people who vote, I guess, Democrat will be voting by mail because obviously, you know, they take the coronavirus a little bit more seriously. Um, and also, so those ballots might trickle in later. So it may be very true that an influx of people are going to come to the polls or come to the, um, come to the ballot box before the election or on election day and vote. Um, and Trump will have this sudden surge of voters that shows he's leading by so much, even though not all the votes are counted. It'll be like, oh, close the, close the ballots, close the polls because I'm currently leading. And, uh, you know, it's gonna be like, no. And then ballots are going to trickle in, show Biden's show that Biden is clearly the winner and Trump will declare it to be a massive fraud. He'll probably, you know, um, <clears throat> dog whistle to, um, you know, militia groups. And there's definitely going to be violence. I'm telling you that much. It's unfortunate, but there will be violence. People are going to die. There are going to be riots. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's what's going to happen. All I can say is stay calm, uh, wait for all the information to come out. And obviously uh, Biden is not going to concede because that is would not be the thing. So you definitely, you're definitely going to be itching for results early Wednesday morning, probably uh, as you know, things go late into the night. It's not going to happen. It's going to take a few days. Be patient in order for the results that you want. And we all want, I hope, or most of us probably want to come out. We need to wait. We need to wait for everything to get sorted out, which will overwhelmingly likely show that Biden is the winner. So other than that, thank you very much for uh, listening and for watching, hopefully, um, and taking a look at what the election results may hold. Uh, obviously, nothing is for certain. Nothing. There is a very good chance, a good chance. We can comfortably, you know, say that there is a high chance that Biden will win this election, but obviously don't get comfortable. Get out and vote. Bring a friend with you uh, in the 2016 election in states like Michigan. The average precinct, or not precinct, geez, uh, the average polling location, it was the, the margin was two votes for, per, per location. That means if you and you bring a friend and vote, you could the Michigan could have flipped, and thus Trump could have not been president. So, call a friend and have them call a friend. Get out and vote. Make make it a fun day. You know, go vote and then go have lunch or something. I don't know. Make it fun. Whatever you can do to get out and vote. That's all I have to say. So. Other than that, thank you very much for watching, and I will definitely be watching along with all of you to see the results. So until then, take care, stay safe, and have a good day.